Hello, and welcome to this episode of Tinker Talks, the audio format podcast that talks about everything behind the fence line of Tinker Air Force Base. I'm April McDonald, your host for this episode, and I'm joined by Second Lieutenant Danny Rangel, who is sitting in for our regular host, Mark Hybers. Thanks for jumping in with me, LT. Sure thing. Today, we're starting a new effort where we will be discussing topics related to the AFMC Connect program. The objective of that program is to reinforce the importance of connection among the workforce. So we're joined by Wakita Oliver, who does a little bit of everything on base, but most people probably know her as the Employee Enhancement Program Manager. We're glad you're able to join us today, Wakita. Thanks for making time to come over. Thank you for having me today. We appreciate it. So in 200 words or less, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here? Wow, 200 words or less. I know, okay. that's going to be hard because you do a lot. <laughs> that is true. But um, as you stated, yes, I am the um, program manager for EEP, the Employee Enhancement Program. Um, I have been the program manager for about four years now um, regarding that program. Um, I am located in curriculum development and delivery. And um, over there, I am a part of the professional development um, piece that we have. So that involves pace um, that involves leadership, which is a um, four course um, class that we have different individuals sign up. Um, I'm also a um, master resiliency trainer, and I'm also a mental health first aid instructor. Um, so I facilitate different programs out here at Tinker, your Franklin Covey, your John Maxwell. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty much... <laughs> All over the base. Advisor yes. for African American Heritage Council. I'm the vice president for our APSA, our um, Air Force Sergeants Association. So, yeah, I'm pretty you, busy. You stay busy, <laughs> don't you? Yes. <laughs> Sounds like we're lucky to have you. Well, yep. I'm very fortunate to be here. All right. Good deal. So this month's AFMC Connect topic is character. So you mentioned that you do PACE classes. So what do those classes teach people about character? So regarding PACE, um, the acronym stands for Profession of Arms Center of Excellence. Um, and these courses concentrate on leading yourself, um, leading others, and professional development. And uh, one of those or many of those encompass character as a whole. Uh, the professional development era, area of PACE includes John Maxwell and Franklin Covey. And in one of the Franklin Covey courses, um, speed of trust to be exact, character is explained in conjunction with competence. So um, character um, is about, for many of us, is about talking straight, being able to have those difficult conversations when you need to have them, um, being respectful, showing and creating transparency, um, admitting when you're wrong and making that wrong right, and being someone who is loyal. So that, that, that focuses on a lot of that within PACE. Right, right. So um, character is not one of the Air Force core values, but it certainly affects every one of them. Correct. So it, yes. Can you explain a little bit about how, you know, character works in all of them? Sure. So although, of course, character is not listed, as you stated, as one of our core values, um, character 
embodies integrity. So when you think about integrity, character goes hand in hand, um, of course, which is one of our core values. So when you're thinking about someone's character, who they are, what they represent, when someone is there, when someone's looking, when someone's not looking, that has a lot to do with integrity, which again is one of our core values. So they do go hand in hand in, in very in many different ways. Yes, yes. Okay. One thing I wanted to ask, I mean, I, we speak about character, I think, a lot in the Air Force. Um, myself being in prior enlisted and, and commissioned for a little bit, you know, I've been in nine years and, you know, character is uh, not one of the core values as we've just discussed, but however, it's it's crucially important. Mm -hmm. We talk about it all the time. We talk about airmen with good character and we talk about, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, folks with bad character or, or have represented, you know, values that are inconsistent with the Air Force. Sure. My question for you is, um, what's your opinion about, you know, maybe folks who've um, expressed not the most ideal character, but, you know, not everyone is lost. We should not be judged by the worst thing that we've done. Right? Exactly. There is a pathway for folks to come back to those kind of values that, you know, we all value. Mm -hmm. um, what's your kind of opinion in terms of like how we can uh, help those who've maybe, you know, fallen fallen into one of those traps or something like that? How do you, how, what's your opinion on bringing folks back from that? So having, um, to me, representation is very important. So to have someone that has that's of character, of that moral standing, possibly being a mentor, um, it's very important. We speak um, often about wingmen and being a good wingman. Well, that's what helps to build character, especially when you have um, young airmen coming in. Um, when you're coming into the military, people are coming from all different backgrounds, different areas, whether they're they're northern or they're, they're some southerners or the east coast, west coast. And so um, you're trying to bring them into the Air Force or into the military. And you're saying these are our core values. This is what we believe. If a person did not come from that or did not have that when they were growing up, it's going to be difficult for them. It doesn't make them a bad person. It's not right, wrong or indifferent. It helps to have those wingmen that come in and say, hey, just letting you know, this is what we do here. This is how we get the mission completed. This is how we overall make ourselves total force, a better Air Force. And so it's not so much changing someone's character because I I, you know, kind of dibble and dabble on that saying, oh, can someone's character be changed or can someone change their character? I think someone's character can be enhanced. I think um, every single day we should be trying to make our own character better. How can I be a better wingman? How can I be a better civilian at Tinker? How can I be a better program manager? How can I be a better daughter, a better sister? So I think every day we're trying to enhance our character. No, I'd, I'd certainly agree with that. I think, you know, it's incremental. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we how do we build our personalities? Do we change their do, do we change our values every day? No, we don't. It's no. something we grow up with, something that is heavily influenced by, you know, our, our parents, our environment, mm -hmm. you know, our culture. So that's that is one of the challenges, right? Mm -hmm. To, you know, when you, you're part of a military organization, a lot of it is about being standardized, right? Correct. But, you know, these days it's not just about that. It's about, you know, understanding that people are different. Mm -hmm. People come from different backgrounds or whatever. So when we go and define character, it has to be in an inclusive way. Is that something that you would say? Exactly. I know some people say, oh, you know, the military is getting soft. You know, we're allowing so many different things in and we're making so many provisions. But what it what it is, is that the world has changed. Mm 
Um, you know, when my father was in the was in the Navy, it's a totally different Navy than what it is now. My brothers were in the Army. It's a total different oh, Army yeah. than what oh, they yeah. were in back then. And so you just like with anything, with industry, looking outside the gate, you have to change with the times. And in order to um, be more inclusive, you have to let and make people feel like they are included. And sometimes that is taking an account to what their character or their moral traits are, getting to know them and saying, okay, I see why you respond this way. I see why you may feel this way. Totally get it. Totally understand that. Let's see if we can meet halfway. And that's what we're doing now. We're trying to meet people where they are instead of just saying, hey, this is where you're here now and this is what it is. Now, of course, I've never worn the uniform, so I, I can't go too far in detail to know. But I know there's some areas where it's either this or that. There right. is no gray area. Right. But I have noticed that we're becoming more inclusive to where we're saying, OK, I need to meet this young airman where they are in order to really be able to, you know, to pour into their lives. It can't be always that black and white. Sometimes there is that gray and we have to allow for that. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think uh, a friend of mine put it really well in the sense that, you know, when we're kind of stuck in these ideas of the past, like you still using all the stuff you used in the nineties, like you're still driving the same car. Like, I hope you're not, you know, it's like, so things change. Things change. And And some things can't. Exactly. And some things won't. And some things don't need to change. Mm -hmm. But as we evolve, yes, some things do need, just like our character evolves, some of the ways and the the beliefs that we have, sometimes they evolve as well. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, it's important, I think, to recognize good traits in others. So um, if if we see people displaying good character, I mean, should should we say something to them Do, or just should we just expect people to all the time have good character? Should we say, hey, you you sound really good. You know, I liked what you just said. That was awesome. Or just let it go. I mean, does it help people when we say um, you I just display good character. <laughs> exactly. Um, I personally think that it does. Um, what's funny is that I just not too long ago after Father's Day had a conversation with someone, they're mm-hmm. like, you know, it's so overrated to do this whole Father's Day and Mother's Day thing. If you think about it, because you're doing what you're already supposed to be doing. I mean, we're congratulating you on being good parents like that makes no sense. And I said, well, yes, it does. I said, because what you consider a good parent or a regular parent role may not be what I consider a regular parent role. So when someone does something, whether you think it's just minute or you think it's above and beyond, it still should be recognized. You know, we're told that if we see something, say something, if it's something that's negative, if we see something that shouldn't be happening or if we hear about something, we need to speak up. Okay, well, we need to do the same thing when people are exhibiting good character traits, when they're stepping out and being a good wingman, when they're, um, you know, helping out someone else. We need to, in a positive way, say, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you just said or, you know, I noticed how you just helped that person really appreciate it. You could have let them just keep walking down the hallway looking for something, but you didn't. Or, you know, hey, helping them write, you know, a few bullets for an award or something like that. Um, It goes a long way. You don't, I always tell people, you know, when we cross this gate, especially as civilians or for anybody, we really don't know what someone's leaving at home. And so a kind word could really make a huge difference. They might not be getting that type of affirmation at home or anywhere else. So it really helps when you see someone doing something well, especially if they already were apprehensive about doing it. 
And then you say, hey, that was really cool. I appreciate you doing that. Man, I, you did a great job on that brief. And they're sitting there saying, oh, my gosh, I was dying on the inside. <laughs> but thank you. You just encourage that person to possibly say, you know what, I will give that briefing to Colonel so-and-so. Or I will brief, you know, our command or something like that. Absolutely. So it's a very important to do that. You know, I like what you said about um, at the beginning there about Father's Day and Mother's Day. And, you know, why do we why do we celebrate these days? Uh, that made me thinking about let me start thinking about baselines, right? Mm -hmm. How do we how do we know who what a good father, or a good mother, or mm -hmm. someone of good character is? Because we've seen it, mm -hmm. okay. And then our culture has celebrated that, mm -hmm. and that's what it, you know. In my humble opinion, what, <laughs> what Mother's Day and Father's oh, yes. Day is about. We're celebrating a baseline mm -hmm. of what our culture believes that a good father, a good mother should be. Exactly. Whether that is you know in your mind different from others, it's kind of an all inclusive holiday that that way. I personally, since I just had a baby girl, I really love Father's Day this year. You know, oh, it's, it's big. It's big. It's, it's a like big a holiday. Day. Oh yeah. It was <laughs> great. It was great for me. Just saying. It was, it was fantastic. Um, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you for that. But um, I guess um, what I'm asking here, you know, when we're talking about these baselines and you just spoke about, you know, being a good wingman, mm -hmm. right? What is what is a base? How would you describe the baseline for what a good wingman is? A person who we look at and say like, oh, this person's a good wingman. But like, what what do you think? Where does that come from? What is it that we think about that person that makes them a good wingman? Um, for me personally, um, when I think of, okay, what makes a good wingman, it's someone that I would want to emulate, someone that I'm looking at and saying, wow, I want to achieve that, or I want to have that certain value. Like, man, I, I want to be the go-to person. You know, when I was younger in my career, I was looking towards the people who were the go-to people, who were the ones that were always had, if they didn't have the answers, at least they didn't give any answer, just whatever popped up. They were like, honest, that integrity of saying, I don't know, but let me get you to someone who does know. And I always thought, man, I want to be that person when someone comes to me, they're not worried if they're going to get, not get factual information or if they're not going to get an honest opinion. Um, so the baseline, I think, is different for everybody. It, somebody else may think a great wingman is a person that always gets all the awards and does all this other stuff, whereas somebody else may think it's somebody who um, volunteers even with a very hectic schedule or someone who says, hey, you know, I noticed you're, you seem a little different today. Um, are you okay? To me, that's someone who's a good wingman, someone who notices what may not be obvious to someone else. And uh, that takes a special kind of person. We all, I truly feel that we all have different wingman traits within us. We may not embody everything that I think a wingman should be, but um, we all have different traits that we can pick up from. Totally on board with this idea that everyone's experiences are oh, different yeah. in terms of, you know, what we determine to be that baseline and that leadership mm -hmm. model. Um, just for the sake of, you know, all, all the time I hear that you forget like so many of like your own ideas or have a lot in common to other people. I think a lot of us think we're in silos, like only mm -hmm. I think this way, only I mm -hmm. believe this. But we do have a lot in common. And mm -hmm. I think especially nowadays, we forget that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just my, my sidebar there. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I mentioned that because, you know, I'd like to know a little bit 
from your experience, your examples of, you know, people of uh, a certain character that you you um, you liked or you emulated, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, just ex some examples from your professional or your, maybe perhaps your personal life. You know, what are some examples of people that you believe were kind of like not so much like your idols, but people you looked <laughs> up to, you know, people you wanted to be a little bit more like? Is there, are there any examples like that for you? Oh, man. Well, um, if anyone who really knows me, they they know um, if you've ever done uh, like true uh, true colors or four lenses. I am so blue; it's not even funny. <laughs> I am blue to the heart. I so, think we got some blues in here. Yeah. I think we got some blues. <laughs> I am pretty blue. I have to be, you know, yellow or gold um, because of work. Because uh, if not, I'll just you know rainbows and hearts all day. But you can't do that when you're a program manager when you're over program. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like okay, we got to be very structured. But um, for me, family is extremely important, and so um, I my role models are my parents and my two brothers. They're um, my like I stated earlier. My brothers are prior military. My dad's prior military, and. Um, to see what they have been able to overcome and their service to our country, what they've given to our country. Um, that's It was my way of saying, well, how can I give back? And I remember when I came out to Tinker, a lot of uh, a lot of our military don't, does not know this, but as civilians, we take an oath as well. So when we're in new employee orientation, which I did not know, so it kind of freaked me out a little bit because <laughs> I thought I just signed up for the Air Force. Right. Right. And I was all nervous. I was like, Dad, I just signed up for the Air Force. He's like, no, you did not. It's it's okay. They don't want you. I'm like, Dad, I just did. I took an oath. It's the same mm -hmm. thing like with, you, you know, yep. what Wendell yeah. did. And I was just like telling him what my brothers did. And he was like, no, it's different. And so for me, it was like, I'm doing my part. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not serving in the same capacity that they did or the same experiences they had um, for wartime or anything like that. But I'm giving back to my country in my own way. I'm supporting the mission in my way. And so um, they're what I emulate, um, their service, their um, how they feel about their country and what they were willing to do for their country. On the more professional um, side, um, I have mentors and I have, you know, even my peers that I look at and I'm saying, man, you're, you're all in. And that's what I want to be. I want to emulate that. I, and to have the attitude of your why, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Um, I started out as a sheet metal mechanic. Um, I didn't go straight to the desk. And so I bucked and shot rivets <laughs> for a while when I first came out here. And in my mind, I remember telling everybody, all we do is beat on metal until someone pointed out that if my edge distance is wrong, if I make a mistake, if I don't care that day, there's no bombs on targets, that pilot does not come home, the mission does not get completed. And when that was put into my mind, it was like, okay, I'm doing so much more than just bucking and shooting rivets. So now when I go out to the shops and I hear them, everybody's like, oh, my God, it's so loud. And I'm like, that's the sound of freedom. I mean, mm -hmm. that's this is what we right. do so that we can have the freedoms that we have. And so it's kind of hard to answer that on a professional level because I feel like I emulate so many. I take little pieces. Like when I go to briefings, I write down stuff and I'm like, thank you for that. Because it just helps me in my career, it helps me to be able to be more um, approachable and to be more um, understanding. I think we need to approach what we do out here, no matter how high or how low we may think that we are on a totem pole. 
every day we can learn from someone. I don't care if it's from someone who's working janitorial services or if it's a three-star general. I can learn from either one. I can learn to still sing and hum while I'm having to do duties that I probably wouldn't want to do. When I hear them singing and humming, I'm like, cleaning the restroom? Wow. Okay. Well, maybe I need to. Why is my head low? I'm not doing that. And I'm still in a bad mood. What's wrong with me? And then when you see that three-star general, you're like, man, what did you have to do and sacrifice to get to that level? And I'm complaining about this. Man, I need to up my game, (laughs) you know? And so that's how I see it every day. People don't even realize it, but I'm taking and pulling every day. And I think it'd be great if we all just, you know, just kind of picked a little bit, just, you know, some of the stuff and just add to our own little professional tray or personal tray. I totally get it. It's hard sometimes to see like the forest for the trees, right? Oh, you understand yeah. your, your little problems <laughs> kind of seem like big problems yeah. when you're staring right at them, but then you oh, kind of yeah. go home and like, was that a big problem? Like, yeah, I don't know. Was, it, was it really that was big really or did that? I make it that yeah, big? Yeah, did I make it big? Exactly. I'm making it big, oh, you know, yeah. the moment. I'm oh, making yeah. it. Oh, but, I'm making it. It's a production. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a production. <laughs> Definitely. But I, I, I really like what you said about, you know, um, your peers, right? Because mm-hmm. we forget. We're always looking up like, what are those big folks doing? How can I be like them? You know? but you forget sometimes there are people right to your left and your right you know that could help you not only like your day-to-day duties but you know there's some excellent individuals in this air Air force who are doing amazing work every single day right here in Tinker air force base to make sure the mission gets done and that's something that you know we need to make sure that we're paying attention to you Mm -hmm. know and those ground soldiers exactly (laughs) and that buck us up a little bit you're having a bad day i was like wait a minute i see some excellence right over here that maybe i can emulate so That's something something cool to think about. Yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. That's a great perspective. Thank you. Take that with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Work on myself. <laughs> We're all doing it every day. Hopefully we should be. <laughs> so um if people want to take a pace class or one of the other classes that you teach, how do they how do they do that? How do they get in touch with you to do that? Um, so um we do have a website that um is available um, where you can go out and see the different courses that we have. Um, I'm not sure if I guess on the on this podcast there will be some type of area. Yeah, we'll put okay. it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that link is available. Um, people can always reach out to me. I am the only Wakita Oliver at Tinker Air Force Base. I'm the only Wakita Oliver in the DOD. So it's pretty simple, but. Um, <laughs> Definitely find me out on Global and you can email me and I'll be more than happy to either send you the link or to send you a catalog um, to look over so you can see our courses. Um, Our job is to basically meet the need of our customer. So our customer is you. So if a unit says, hey, you know, we're going to have a wingman day or a resiliency day. Great. We sit down and we come up with a battle rhythm to see like what courses may be best for you. Or if you, um, for one area, we had a three-year plan. So it was like twice a month, um, this commander was cycling through his people for three years. And it was amazing because he had, when he came in, he had a plan and he wanted nothing but pace for three years. And so we were able to accomplish that. We can do lunch and learns. We can do half-day classes. We can do full-day classes. Um, it's a little bit whatever. And we we just ask you what are you what are you lacking what are you needing what are you trying to get um if it's something that we don't have if it's, is it something that we can develop as a as a curriculum development area can we develop this curriculum for you um i i mentioned um in a in another segment that um 
you know, sometimes we we lose out because of a lack of knowledge and we miss things and we're wondering why we're not able to get certain things accomplished. I had someone approach me about mental health and I said, well, I'm a mental health first aid instructor. Do you need a course? And they were like, well, yeah, because we just had, you know, we just lost somebody in our area. And I'm thinking, hmm. but I, we need to be more proactive than reactive. And how do we become right. more proactive than reactive it's because of knowledge, because we know the, that we see these being good wingmen, we see these things and we're saying, okay, our area is not doing this, or um, we need some type of team building, or we need some type of resiliency, especially with COVID, people reintegrating back into work. Oh, yeah. um, it's difficult for a lot of people. So yes. we need to try to figure out how can we be more proactive than reactive? And that's by getting this information out. So I definitely appreciate it. Good deal. Oh, that's a good thing to mention because, I mean, it's all over the internet now, but like all the introverts are have to come back to work oh, yeah. and socialize again. And, yeah. you know, I totally get that because oh, all of yeah. a sudden it's like, oh, there are all these people again, right? Yeah. But wait, that makes me nervous. Like it makes me a little yeah. anxious or whatever. How do we help those people out? And me but, being an extrovert, I'm like, so where are the people at? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where are y'all being? Oh, okay, I'm like, oh, come oh, on. I'm still like, teleworking. Are we hugging? <laughs> what are we doing? And they're like, oh my gosh, bring it down a notch. And, they're, right. and they're wanting to go back into their shells. And so I'm like, Oh, us extroverts, yeah. we need to get together. <laughs> there's, there's room for everybody. There's I know. Everybody. There's room for all of us. <laughs> um, I was going to say in terms of, you know, uh, you mentioned being proactive or reactive, right? I think that's an area that's critically important. Mm -hmm. um, how do we be proactive in, in terms of, you know, preventing the kind of, you know, cultural landscape that allows for, you know, unfortunate things to happen that we don't want to happen in this Air Force? You know, what I mean is, you know, folks hurting themselves mm -hmm. or, or folks in trouble mentally, things like that, that, you know, we're always striving hard to prevent. Um, and not only that, there's a whole wealth of issues that, you know, we as a Air Force and a culture are mm -hmm. working our best to to prevent and help people with. So in that context, um, what are some of the, you know, you mentioned some of them, but I, I just want to go in detail. What are some of the preventative measures or some some of the things that you do to make sure that we're taking care of our people ahead of time? Well, first we, we and even I have to create an environment where the stigma of asking for help and the stigma of I don't want to approach someone I may be out of line goes away. Um, I think that um, we are beyond the point of trying to handle everything, you know, with kitten gloves. I think we need to, like, like I said, if you see something, say something. And there are so many people that are hurting and don't know how to ask for help. And we see this, but we're just, that's their fear of, well, how will they respond or um, will it be taken in a negative way? And so um, I know in the classes and the courses that I teach, I try to give people different um, ways of spotting things and, and being noticeable of things and um, just being aware, being emotionally intelligent of the situation. Um, I tell supervisors all the time, you have to get to know your people. And that means you have to take the time to get to know them. I don't care if you schedule it, schedule the time right. to get to know your people. Because if something's going on, you won't know if you don't know them. And then it's too late. And now it's affected your work center. Instead of, I know my person, my person usually doesn't take leave this often. Or my person mm -hmm. usually is the first one to come in and ask about coffee or get the coffee started, and they haven't been. That may seem like something small, but for that person, that may be an indicator that I'm hurting and I'm trying to back away from people. 
And so um, it's just getting to know your people, getting to know your peers. You work with people all the time. And um, I know with COVID and a lot of people teleworking, it, it was very difficult because a lot of people were just, well, I'm at home. So I don't really have to talk to you. I don't have to see you. Oh, let me hop on this Zoom or this, you know, this, you know, this Microsoft Teams thing. And I had a supervisor tell me I became a supervisor during COVID. So I became a supervisor teleworking and I'm having meetings through, you know, this. And I said, well, that's very difficult. It has to be Um, instead of having group meetings set aside a time to just have one on one team meeting. I said, because maybe that person doesn't want to say something in front of everybody. I said, I teach virtual courses and I notice when people are kind of getting lost in the sauce, they're like, she's not looking at me (laughs) and my screen's black. (laughs) I'm like, hey, so-and-so saw that screen go black. Where are you? You know, I said, so when you have those team meetings, everybody's, you know, your extroverts, Mm -hmm. we got lots to say, (laughs) but the introverts who may be just fine, or there may be something else, you're not getting to know them. So if you have that one-on-one and say, hey, I'm just set aside five or 10 minutes, hop on Teams with you real quick and just see how everything's going. Hey, I just saw, you know, your little one, you know, put them in the camera or your dog or whatever, things like that. People don't realize how much that makes a difference even during this time. And so now when you come back as a new supervisor, it's not like, hey, I'm introducing myself for the first time. I've kind of gotten to know you. How's Mittens? You know, how's little, you know, Jessica or whatever, right. you know, it's not like, so who are you and what do you like? What's your favorite color? It's not awkward. Right. And um, I, I call it kind of like a, uh, you know, it's a trust bank. You're making those little deposits into people. So when something does happen, I can go to that little bank and I can make that withdrawal and say, I need to talk to you because I know I can, because you've already made those deposits into my life that you actually care. And that's all it is. We just need to try to make these little deposits. So when something does become too much for a person, they know to come to you. And um, you also have to be careful that you don't take on too much yourself because your mental health is also important as well. So that's what I mean by being proactive. It's basically making those little deposits into each other's lives. So when something does happen, it's not like, oh, my gosh, I didn't see that coming. You didn't see it coming because you didn't know the person. You never talked to them, but you were sitting right next to them every single day. Absolutely. It kind of gives you the situational awareness to understand, you know, things coming up. And that's the whole idea of understanding your folks so that you can kind of predict a little bit what yeah. might happen and step in when the time is the time is right. Yeah. Um, some stuff you won't see. Exactly. I mean, like, that's just, course. you know, some people you just won't see it. But, you know, there are times that we can. I think there's a way that I mean, we can we can circle this right back to this idea of character and, and the idea of, you know, folks that you you wanted to be like mm-hmm. um, and. I think I speak for a lot of people here. I think um, I really enjoy those leaders uh, or peers who stepped in and, and de- like you said, deposited and mm-hmm. made those deposits and, and invested in, in our careers and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, asked me about, you know, my kids or my, my what can I do for you? That kind of servant leadership that's been mm-hmm. talked about so much. And it does pay dividends down the road because, you know, I've seen, I mean, myself being an example, and I, but I've seen other airmen, NCOs and civilians do this. You go to that person because you trust them now. Exactly. You know, you have someone right. you could go talk to now mm-hmm. because they've invested in you. Mm-hmm. And so you can come back and have that relationship and make sure that everyone's communicating in the right way. And that's all because you you built that kind of the culture of character 
that culture of someone who you can emulate. Exactly. And I think that's critically important. Um, just to, I, I, I know we got to wrap this up here, but um, uh, last, it's kind of the last question here, unless April has something else. Um, here, Tinker is kind of a different environment. Um, I've been to a couple of different military bases, obviously. And I, at Tinker, we have, obviously, a lot of people listening understand this. It's an overwhelmingly civilian workforce. No. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? So I, I feel like the minority out here yeah. wearing this uniform all the time. I was yeah. like, all right, all right. This is different. This is different. We adapt. We adapt. It's cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's got to be hard. But the thing is that it's a different demographic. People are different. Uh, the civilian folks tend to be at different parts in their lives. A lot mm -hmm. of the military, just by the military's very nature, are very young. Yes. You know, people, you got a lot of 19, 20-year-olds here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, or in normal military base, you would. Um, so how do you think that affects the way you do your job? Because the demographics here, like I said, are different. People, you know, aren't as tied to their, um, to their job as maybe the military, because the military, you, you're kind of one in the same, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It's there 24 seven, you know, you could de get deployed, go away from your family, but the civilian workforce, you know, it's a, it's a little different, I think, culturally. Um, but how do you think that kind of changes your perspective about, you know, how you do your work? You know, do you do you look at it differently, a military audience versus a civilian audience? Does that kind of change your the way you work? Um, well, for me personally, I mean, for civilians, we're clock in, clock out. I mean, you know, we don't put on the uniform and the uniform is not an image or us. And so um, we we are different. And sometimes I feel like I have to remind some civilians that this is a military base <laughs> because they're like, you know, it's not a civilian base, it's a military base. And so we do have military out here. Um, so for me, knowing that the military population is a smaller population, and I'm probably different because I come from a military background. For me, it was important to get involved in um, activities and events and, and organizations and um, that were military, you know, centered. Um, so for me to get involved in the Air Force Sergeants Association, that was very important to me because um, it, it affects their morale. It gives them an opportunity to find out what's going on on the base, to find out what's going on in Oklahoma, um, to help them out. Um, we get the opportunity to go over to FTAC and meet the... <laughs> Brand I mean, new. Oh gosh, they're so oh, wet yeah. behind the ears. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I just want to say you're so cute. Oh my gosh. But they're like far away from home for a lot of them. And okay. um, to be able just to say, hey, you know, uh, we're going to have this. We're going to order some pizza. You know, you're more than welcome to come out just to kind of break that ice. And I know sometimes it's weird for them when they see a civilian because they're kind of like, okay, why are you here? But I have to put myself in the mindset of I'm trying to think about what would it be like if that was me, if I had to go away from home and all of these things are thrown at you and you're trying to figure out how to maneuver around that. And so for a lot of us, we preach total force integration and Tinker as a whole, we're, we're trying to get there. We're not fully there. And I don't know if any area is, but we're trying to get to where our civilians are, you know, in courses with our military. Like for my program, EEP, last year was my first year integrating military in. And I this program's been around, this is the 23rd year, and we've never had military in. And so I kept saying, we're going on these tours, we're getting these briefings, our military members are the ones doing it. <laughs> and then I would always get, so what is EEP? And I'm thinking, what is it to you though? 
it's really nothing to you but a brief. And I didn't like that. So I said, well, what would be the issue of integrating our military? No one's ever done it. No one's ever asked. So that doesn't mean no, right? right. <laughs> so if it doesn't mean no, <laughs> then it means it can happen. So we're going on to our second year of having military in. And for me, it's been great because our military members come in and there are nice civilian clothes that they're glad that they get to wear. <laughs> all right, all right. And there's and you know, they're they're sharing their experiences. And a lot of people have been like, well, what is the difference or what is the, the good of it? I said, you have a mechanic that turns wrenches out there on the floor as a civilian, and then you have a mechanic who's wears a uniform. They have shared experiences, you know. And you have some military members who um, you know, may be thinking about separating, whether it's retirement or whether it's, you know, they're stepping away. They want to know what may be available to them in the workforce. Right. Um, of course, you know, um, Tinker is not like every single base if they do decide to go into the, you know, work as a civilian DOD. But some of the um, aspects of what we do here, it translates to other bases as well. So they get that experience. And then to me, it's an appreciation on both ends, on both sides. I think that sometimes we can complain about some things. And then when we hear and we talk to a military member, we're like, okay. I probably shouldn't complain about that because you don't even have a choice. And I right. do. And vice versa, a, a military member might not be aware of what a certain you know area or certain civilians do that really impacts what they do every single day. Right. And so um, to me, that is total force integration. We need more programs that are that we where we're putting our military and our civilians together and saying, hey, we we're so busy trying to figure out how the mission works here, how the mission works here. How does the mission work right here between our civilians and our military? That's most impactful. I think that would make a big difference uh, about how our military may feel more comfortable even reaching out or building connections with civilians and vice versa. There is that stigma of, oh my gosh, here's a uniform. I don't really know how to deal with that. Okay, so when they take off the uniform, guess what? <laughs> just like you they go home and probably throw on shorts and a t-shirt just like you that's absolutely right, right. Yeah. yeah they like to have barbecues and be with their family just like it's you it's right just in. a uniform yeah. like there's you know so i think remove the barriers and just get to know and even for me that's been somewhat difficult because i of course don't want to come in and be like oh my god just love y'all military come on here you know i i want them to know that it's like hey I'm here. No, don't wear the uniform. Never have. But it doesn't mean that I can't help you, whether it's education, whether it's professional development, whether it's finding a mentor or whatever. Let's make it happen. And that's very important. No, absolutely. Great. I agree. Yeah, I do, too. Thank you. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. You thank have, you for having me. It's been a great episode. Thank you. So, yeah, I yeah, love it. You've given us so much information to, <laughs> to go back and. Think about. Air Force Material Command is focused on building and sustaining a thriving and resilient Air Force community. AFMC Connect is an initiative that focuses on building relationships and bonds in organizations, which will create an environment where teamwork can thrive. For more information on AFMC Connect, visit afmc.af.mil connect. Please make sure to subscribe to Tinker Talks on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify. For more information on Tinker Air Force Base, visit our website at tinker.af.mil or follow us on social media at Tinker Air Force Base on Facebook and Instagram and team underscore tinker on Twitter. 